Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C would like to welcome everyone today. I think the Tao is probably, the teaching of the Tao is the closest thing to a recovery higher power that I have seen anywhere. It just fits so well. It just fits so well. I, I firmly believe at this point that uh, someone could come into recovery and have no God belief whatsoever in recovery. I really believe that from what I've learned in the Tao Te Ching. And what I mean by that is that if they can believe that love will find a way, that when they love people, their life changes, the rest of it will just work itself out for itself. And that's part of what we're talking about today, actually, is letting it be and just these belief systems that hold us back is a lot of this. Thank you, Father, for all the gifts. I'd like to welcome everyone. We've got Kate and Marla and Craig and Lala and Paul and Tina and Rob and Suzanne today. Anything uh, anything to talk about before we have uh, – what's our email, Marla? It's uh, uh, Our email is wisdom526 at gmail.com. Guys, any questions, any comments? If you think you've got this figured out, just let us know what it's all about, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> you know, that's that's the big gift in this, I think, is that I just don't have to have life figured out anymore. Mm-mm. I used to have to have everything figured out. No matter what it was we were talking about, I had to have the answer. Or at least I had to rationalize why I didn't have the end. I had to have an idea of a solution some way, you know, and I had to be okay with it. And if I didn't know, I had to be okay with it and had to have a reason why. Not just maybe or I don't know. I have no idea how that works. There was no I have no idea in my vocabulary. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. And that's, that's a, there's a piece that comes with that letting go. That uh, is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay, well, let's just uh, go ahead and start, Kate. Um, I'll unmute you. Let me share the screen. And I'll get you to read the second. Oh, let me share that in the – I'm going to share in the chat. So if you guys want to pull this up on your computer, you're welcome to. That's easier a lot of times. Okay, Kate. All right. First translation. Under heaven, all can see beauty as beauty only because there is ugliness. All can know good as good only because there is evil. Therefore, having and not having arise together. Difficult and easy complement each other. Long and short contrast each other. High and low rest upon each other. Voice and sound harmonize each other. Front and back follow one another. Therefore, the sage goes about doing nothing, teaching no talking. The 10,000 things rise and fall without cease, creating yet not possessing, working yet not taking credit, 
Work is done, then forgotten. Therefore, it lasts forever. Second translation. When people see some things as beautiful, other things become ugly. When people see some things as good, other things become bad. Being and non-being create each other. Difficult and easy support each other. Long and short define each other. High and low depend on each other. Before and after follow each other. Therefore, the master acts without doing anything and teaches without saying anything. Things arise and she lets them come. Things disappear and she lets them go. She has but doesn't possess, acts but doesn't expect. When her work is done, she forgets it. That is why it lasts forever. Third translation. When people see things as beautiful, ugliness is created. When people see things as good, evil is created. Being and non-being produce each other. Difficult and easy complement each other. Long and short define each other. High and low oppose each other. Fore and aft follow each other. Therefore, the master can act without doing anything and teach without saying a word. Things come her way and she does not stop them. Things leave and she lets them go. She has without possessing and acts without any expectations. When her work is done, she takes no credit. That is why it will last forever. Final translation. If something looks beautiful to you, something else must be ugly. If something seems good, something else must seem bad. You can't have something without nothing. If no job is difficult, then no job is easy. Some things are up high because other things are down low. You know you're listening to music because it doesn't sound like noise. All that came first, so this must be next. The masters get the job done without moving a muscle and get their point across without saying a word. When things around them fall apart, they stay cool. They don't own much, but they use whatever's at hand. They do the work without expecting any favors. When they're done, they move on to the next job. That's why their work is so damn good. Guys, thoughts? Tons of thoughts. Um, you know, he, he's speaking about the dualities that have to exist. They coexist with each other. And, um, you know, that we can't really, we shouldn't really be judging them. We should be living within them with a sense of equanimity and 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 peace and and to refrain from judging whether it's good or bad or beautiful or ugly did you talk did uh marla did you listen to the latest uh what's this now um, half of it it's uh, dr totten's talking about that actually he's talking about that idea you know we have this idea of yin and yang where it's these opposing opposites, like it's good, bad, you know, black, white. Mm -hmm. And what what I gathered from his conversation, which fits right in with this, is that nothing is absolutely white and absolutely black. It's all a mix um, before and after follow each other, mm -hmm. front and back. That's not opposites. That's just two parts of the whole. You know, so that's kind of, I think, the idea in this is 
you know, you can't have something without nothing. Okay. So we just accept what is as it is. Exactly. You know, not try to change it or say, or label those labels. We were talking about that last week too, I think. Um, Taking and labeling all these things and uh, trying to create this world as we think it should be. Oh, yeah, Craig. Go ahead. What you got, Craig? Uh, just when you're talking about the yin and the yang. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just showing there's, there's a balance in life. And I think that if we see too much of one, we miss all the, we miss everything from the other one. So if we're concentrating on it, if we think about recovery, for example, um, recovery for myself is like a mindset. Um, I have to have that positive mindset. <laughs> Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Where am I? There you right, go. Right, yeah. right, okay. Right, sorry. Yeah, right. So re- recovery is like a mindset. You have to have, you have, to have a, a really positive outlook on recovery. Otherwise, a lot of things that happen in recovery um, are going to start grinding you down and wearing you out. Um, I think if you start to concentrate on the, the negative things that are going on, then you're going to really struggle to see the positives and the, the positive outcomes that we can actually go through when we come through recovery. Uh, a lot of us suffer from from pause, post-acute withdrawal syndrome, and it's really, really tough to get through. Um, you can go through insomnia, depression, um, not talking to anybody, isolating. And if we kind of get stuck into that mindset, then it's really, really difficult to actually come through the other end. Um, and I think being being able to see the, the long-term effects of, of what we're actually working for Mm-hmm. It's beneficial to everybody, so it's not concentrating on just that one thing. We have to be able to see the beauty of everything else. And, and I think changing our the way we perceive what's going on too has a lot to do with that. Lala, yeah, I was going to say that too. I've tried to put this into practice because I this this labeling, um, trying to detach myself from the labeling because you know we study a lot of that in the Buddhist book study I'm in and. It really does change your point of view when you make it a practice, because I have to practice it. I think naturally we all say, this is good, this is bad. But I catch myself now when I'm starting to label something as good or bad, or if I even say it out loud to somebody, I'm like, no, hold on. And it, and I detach myself from it and look at it from it just is. It just is. It's not good or bad. you know. And I often think of like that story of the, the neighbor with the horses, you know, this isn't that buddy tells about it, you know, not being good or bad time will tell. But if you do remove yourself from the label, it just opens up a whole nother world. Um, yeah, I, I, I have put this in a practice practice and I think it's an interesting, um, shift that happens. Um, not necessarily better or worse, just a shift. But I guess my question was the second part of it. I, you know, I definitely understand the duality part, but this whole thing about work never being done, or, or I, I don't have it in front of me, but does anybody have an insight into what the second part is aiming toward? Pray. Hold, <laughs> hold that thought, Lala, because I want to I, I want to get into that because it's it has to do with Wu Wei and. Okay. What we think of as effortless effort. I, I have something. There's two thoughts in this I really want us to talk about. The first is the one we're talking about now, and okay. the second is the one you brought up. So that those two thoughts um, are, are, I think, part of what I saw in this. Uh, Craig? 
just what Lala was saying about um, perceptions and labelling things. I think we, if we start to go down that road too early, then we're really asserting our will on things and we're trying to control things. Um, so if I'm if I'm seeing something that's good, then that's my perception of something good, and my perception of something good can be quite completely different to everybody else's. Um, so I think what this one's talking about is just getting out of your own way and just seeing things for what they truly are. I mean, how many times have we seen things in life that we thought were bad things ended up being good? Listen to about every other country song and, and get that message, you know. How about all the um, all the things that uh, the worst thing that could have happened to me in my thinking was to have a problem with alcohol. But in hindsight, y'all know where I'm going. Yeah, It was the best thing that had happened to me because it was through that gift, really, of alcoholism that I learned to first surrender in one little thing. And then it opened the door to start to learn to surrender in all these other things, all these other parts of life. It's almost like it, when we talk about hitting rock bottom when you, you, with your alcoholism or addiction, you almost have to hit rock bottom in order to see that there's a better way to live. You know, We're never taught to surrender in life. We're never taught yeah. how to be powerless. I mean, even Christianity, I never was taught. I never heard it. Maybe it was taught and I just didn't hear it, but I certainly wasn't ready. I never was taught in business. I'm taught the opposite. Uh, I'm never taught how to live paradoxically that where I help you, it helps me. How in the world does it help me to let go of anger if I pray for you? Someone I don't even know, know nothing about, and even if I don't even mean the prayer, if it's just empty words, how I can feel relief from that. Um, and that's what this is talking about, is learning how to live powerless. Uh, Paul? Yeah, that goes back to what we were talking about last week, about uh, learning from our mistakes. I mean, all, all my, my greatest lessons come from my failures. And without those, uh, you know, we can't build uh, on, on those things. So I, I learn more from my mistakes than I do from my successes, for that's sure. Right. I learned from my failures, and I'm grateful for my successes. I think that's a that's a quote from one of the daily reflections, and that's really the way it works, Paul. So, so those things I think are bad really aren't. You know, they're not good or bad. I was I was thinking about relating this to nature, uh, day and night. You know, the day doesn't resist the night and try to take over more of the day. It just says, okay, my my, you know, it just flows through like it's supposed to. Uh, winter and summer. Uh, we can't do without a winter. We, As much as I hate cold weather, we need cold weather. As much as I dislike rainy days, we need rainy days. We need all of that. We need the whole gambit. And I think that there's a way that we can relate that to our lives, too. Um, how we need all these things that are happening in our life. Because if everything was great we would not learn any of the lessons that we need to learn. Um, I know I wouldn't. I think there's one thing I can be very um, appreciative of in understanding, like, how good I have it now 
compared to how badly I had it in the past in my addiction, even in little things like, you know, like I have electricity and running water, you know, in the past in my, I know that that's a really good thing to have now because of the bad that happened in the past. I've lived in places where there wasn't running water and if I had, you know, that seems like, oh, that experience must have sucked. Yeah, it did. But because of that negative experience, you know, now I have an appreciation. Like, when I'm feeling really like, oh, life is awful, I can be like, well, isn't that awful? Look how, look at this thing that I appreciate that I have now. That's the great thing about gratitude. Gratitude can bring us around every time. You know, if I'm ever in a situation and I do not know how to handle it, let's say it's just dominating me. I'm upset with someone is usually what it is. I'm starting to get angry. And I can't quite put my finger on why, but I'm mad, right? (laughs) Can't laugh. Uh, And I'm just angry. If I can turn to gratitude in that moment, I can... I can start to get right size, no matter what's going on. Uh, if I can look at gratitude, uh, that helps it. Just like you're talking about, Kate. Just like you're talking about, you're grateful you have running water now. It seems like such a small thing, but it's a huge thing. And if I didn't have that bad, like that technically bad experience, you know, I wouldn't see the good in the experience that I have now. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. When I hear about the the running water and I've never experienced having to live without running water in terms of living, cooking, brushing your teeth, things like that. But I think about um, it just being there or the absence of it being there. Um, When I went to visit uh, my Indian reservation um, in Washington State. It was in the medicine house where they didn't have running water or electricity. But we stayed there for four days. um, And it was really one of the best experiences that I've ever had. They cooked on a wood-burning stove. Everything was by candlelight. Um, You know, the fish was, the salmon was fresh. But I just thought, how, how do these people do this and live such an amazing life without running water, electricity. I mean, you know, they just figure it out from, like, back in the day. But, um, you know, like I said, I haven't lived there, but I look at things, like, with or without and then trying to, kind of without, with, with, without judging what it is. Um, I think about things like that, and I think about when um, I was in – one of my gratitudes is, is – is freedom because when I was in rehab, we didn't have the freedom to go outside when we want to do these things. But I think, okay, so that was good for me though at the time because it, it taught me to appreciate, I guess. And buddy said it when he said the word gratitude, you know, it's either we're grateful for it. Um, but that's, that's not a judgment. I don't think it's just a feeling, but I've never really thought about it in a lot of these terms that we're talking about that it can just be, if we can be grateful without putting a judgment on it. Yeah, that- exactly. You know, and if we can learn to be grateful for what appears to be negative things, Tina, that's where my real freedom lies. Um, 
there's nothing that's been negative in my life that I can't find some way to find some gratitude. Not, not necessarily for the thing happening. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is what I learned from that, how I learned to, to surrender out of that, whatever it was, um, I've been able to learn how to, I don't say be a bigger person, but to be a lesser person really would be the way to say that, I think. Um, a couple of thoughts on this all, this whole, like, this uh, this uh, being and non-being created from each other, which is a line from Stephen Mitchell. This would be for me, me controlling the world versus all is as it should be. When I'm controlling, I'm not accepting life the way life is. I'm trying to change and fix and when I'm doing that, what my attitude, if my attitude were more of always as it should be, then I would not think I had to be in control and, and all those little things. From a Christian perspective, I was thinking of uh, the control side would be living by faith. I don't have because I'm not believing or I don't have because I sinned or I don't have because of some mistake I have made. I'm at fault. I'm guilty. Versus giving thanks for all things, you know. That giving thanks for all things is the always as it should be in my thinking. How about this one? Uh, more of a, uh, and it's really just changing your perception of what's going on like we've talked about before. Um, if you're talking about A Course in Miracles, um, and I, and everyone was offending me, they're attacking me, the opposite of that, or the inverse would be nothing is personal. When someone attacks, they're just attacking themselves. They're asking me to love them. They're not asking, they're not attacking me. What a difference in just changing the way we look at things. I know those are extremes. We all fall somewhere in the middle there. I mean, I know I do, but what, you know, that idea that we don't have to control all of this, just like, we don't try to have to try to extend the day because we have more things to do. <laughs> you know, uh, the day and night is going to roll through like it needs to. There's going to be another day tomorrow and we can finish then, you know, all those type things. Uh, it, it, it's just really a surrender to everything around us. And I think that Lala leads into what you're talking about. And I made a note about that, that our work is part of the whole so we can let go of it. We're not controlling our work. Just like the day doesn't control the night, the night doesn't control the day. It's the same kind of surrender. It's the same kind of flow. And when we realize that we don't put our um, value in the things we accomplish, that's holding on to it, trying to make that day extend longer <laughs> in regards to what we're accomplishing or what we're doing, you know. When we're trying to extend our credit for what we're getting, see what her work is done. She takes no credit. That is why it will last forever. I think that's the, I think that's the idea behind it. I really do. Any thoughts? This admit, oh, go ahead. Um, bear with me because my sure. my thinking is a little foggy these days. But as I I wrestle with this. Um, I, I do daily devotionals 
And there seems to be dichotomy, you know, opposing. Uh, just back to back, I had one that was, you know, don't don't try to make plans. You know, he, what what are you gonna do tomorrow? What city are you gonna go to? And you know, it, it's you're really not in control um, anyway. And then you you turn the page, and the next days is, hey, why would you try to build a tower if you didn't count the costs and plan and build the foundation? Because if you didn't do it right when it's all done, you're sitting there with a half-built tower and everybody's going to be going, wow, you didn't work, you didn't plan. So you got a plan, but then you don't got a plan because you're you're not in control anyway. And in the past, I'd hit these, I still do, I'm not past. Now I still, my mind's like, ugh, I can't figure this out. So I'm just going to zone. I'm going to do some adrenaline sport or drink you know, or something, I can't figure it out, and everything's got to be black or white, since it's not, I'm going to just check out, can't figure it out, there's no answers, right, this guy hit me, but I'm supposed to forgive him, but he hit me, and he doesn't have any money, and I got bills to pay, and how do I love this guy, I really want to go punch him, but that's not good, so, you know, this, this whole dichotomy thing, I'll be honest with you, I wrestle with it, and I'm going to have to deal with it. But uh, in the past, I'll be honest, I'd, I'd get home after work and uh, just, you know, hit the bottle. But anyway, that, that's what I got at this point. Rob, for me, the first thing I have to do in those situations is narrow it down to what I have to deal with right now. Um, what part of that do I have to deal with today? Not what part of it I think is unfair or I think should be different because it's not and how I can break that down to what's going on in the moment that I have to deal with today. Yeah, I have bills to pay. What bills do I have to pay right now today? What part of this do I have to take care of today? And if I can narrow it down, it takes the amount of things that I have to take care of become much less and much more manageable. I mean, you come from a, project management background that's part of the tools i'm sure you learn with project management is to have you know uh what you've got to get done for today and then your forecast of all these other things so you're lined up now i think what happens a lot of times when we start thinking about this we we think it means everything for example okay i'm supposed to just live in the moment so that means i don't have to make any plans i don't have to do anything except just be in the moment well, I don't think that's what it was talking about. I think what it was talking about, the way I understand it, it seems to work for me, is I'm open to what's going on in the moment. But yet, you know, I still have longer-term plans, but I don't get caught up in those plans if they don't work out exactly the way that, I've, uh, uh, that I'm planning on them to be. Um, what seems to happen for me is that things just fall in place that I may not be expecting. And it happens a lot more in the momentary stuff because I found out there's a lot of things I planned off in the future that I really didn't have to plan that far out. You know, I chose to for a lot of things. There are a few things. I mean, we're going on vacation. We made reservations. 
you know, we decided whether we were going to make the reservations, you know, with, uh, uh, with cancellation insurance or not. That was a decision we made. You know, we make decisions that are outside of today, of course. But there's a lot of things, you know, I don't have to sit and plan exactly how far I'm driving every day today. Or all the other little things I could do that are not, um, that, that I don't have to. So I try to narrow that back and, and have more of a, more of a moment by moment as much as I can. That helps me to start with that. Um, and the second part of that, that really helps my acceptance because I find out a lot of my angst is not in the things that have to be done. My angst is in that things are not the way I think they should be. So it's a whole nother deal. You know, it's not the same thing, you know, So when my angst is in, uh, yeah, Craig, it is all about powerlessness and learning how, because the first thing I have to do, Rob, when I get in those situations is if I can apply the program to that situation, like I applied the program to alcohol, what were the steps I took that helped me to be powerless over alcohol? Okay. How can I duplicate those steps with uh, whatever this issue is or this problem or whatever it is that we're talking about. And for me, I have to do that with a sponsor because I have to get it out of my head, get it on paper and look at it and get someone, because as long as it's up here spinning around, I'm not going to see it correctly. I'm not going to see it clearly. I never see it 100% correct, but I'm for sure not going to see it correct enough for me to uh, get some direction, you know, because it's always part of that, you know, self and powerlessness is always a mixture in there for me. It's always that way. Um, but uh, does that help any? Yeah, at the end of the day, I don't have control over very much. No. And what I would suggest doing, I would suggest um, what worked for me was working the steps with a sponsor. And, you know, that's what that's all I know. And through working the steps, uh I learned the tools I needed that opened up the door so we could talk about things like this. So there's a lot of good things there. If you ever want to PM and talk offline, I'm happy to do that with you to, you know, if if that'll help you any. But um, the first thought on this is this whole idea of everything's as it should be. Stop trying to change it. If I don't like, if it's too good, I see people all the time in Georgia that did not like it being cold in Michigan, Marla. So where do they move? They move here. They don't try to change Michigan. They come here and try to change Georgia again. But anyway, that's another story. But but that's, that's what, what we do. We change, you know, there's some things we can control and some we can't. Stephen Mitchell, his act without doing anything in his translation, he says her actions are appropriate responses. Thus, they're effortless. This is part of what you're talking about, Rob, and you, Law. They're effortless because they're appropriate. They're not trying to control more than they should. She embodies compassion, yet she doesn't try to be compassionate. She doesn't struggle to make money, yet she enjoys spending it when it comes her way. She goes her own way, yet she accepts help gratefully and has no pride in walking alone. She's not elated by praise, not discouraged by neglect. 
This is talking about the sage. This is a this is a description. She doesn't give even a moment's thought to right or wrong. She never has to make a decision. Decisions arise by themselves. How many of y'all have seen when you started living this way that that truly is the way things work? Decisions just come about. For, you're almost like an observer in a lot of your life. I'm seeing head shake. Yeah. Um, she is like an actress who loves her role. The Tao is writing the script. Okay. There's a big book quote. Uh, page 62. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Nay, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He's the principal. We are his agents. Sounds a lot the same, doesn't it? Uh, teaches without saying anything. Mitchell says that means the way she buys oranges or ties her shoelaces is a teaching. Her face is more eloquent than any scripture could be. That is why it lasts forever, not in time and space, but in quality. Yeah, talking about the director, letting go, letting the right answers arise by themselves. Any thoughts? I would encourage everyone to buy this Tao Te Ching, the definitive edition by Jonathan Starr. It is really good. He does his translation. Then he does a line by line with a lot of the different words. So you can kind of make up your own translation if you want to. One thing he said in his translation, life and death are born together before and after arrive as one. Craig? Oh, I thought you had something, sir. Never mind. That's right. You didn't raise your hand. You just unmuted. You raised your hand. That's right. My apologies. Sorry. Te technically, it was my computer that unmuted me. Okay. It's your computer's fault. That's fine. I'm powerless over the fact my computer's just started to work. I was looking to see if there's anything in his that was... Yeah, here's... Uh, the Sage does... Uh, accomplishes by non-interference. I thought that was really good. One of the words for that, acting effortlessly, is non-interference. Let's things, uh, attends to things as they take their rise, as they come up. Same thing, same thing. Does not rely on his own ability, is not attached to the fruits of his actions. The fruit of his actions. Think about that. When you plant the tree, you expect to get the apples off of it, right? But what, what they're saying is that's a that's a good definition of expectations, is that they accomplish the work but are not are not attached to the fruit of that work brings about. Just lets that go. Their their job is not to pick fruit, their job is to do the work. I have got that confused many times when I think my job is to not only grow the tree, but to pick the fruit. My job is to do the watering or whatever there is to do. Whatever happens with the fruit, that's somebody else's job. And if I can approach my business the same way, where my job is what's in front of me to do and not attach my value and attach all the things that I have in the past uh, to my work, then 
it, I, I stay out of all that control. Does that make sense? Y'all are quiet today. Let's talk about uh, Dyer a little. We've got a few minutes. He's got a lot today. Yeah, I underlined quite a bit. Let me uh, let me share the screen with him. Um, under heaven, all can see beauty is beauty, only because there's ugliness. All can know good as good only because there's evil. Being and non-being produce each other. The difficult is born in the easy. Long is defined by short, the high by the low. Before and after go along with each other. So the sage lives openly with apparent duality and paradoxical unity. The sage can act without effort and teach without words. Nurturing things without possessing them, he works, but not for rewards. He competes, but not for results. When the work is done, it is forgotten. That is why it lasts forever. Um, You know, we also have to talk about the balance of how we balance these paradoxical dualities. And that's, the, to, to me, the sign of the yin and the yang. They're basically the same space. One's black, one's white, but they take up the same amount of space, creating a balance. And that's, I think, what, what he's talking about very much is balancing these two different systems of belief. Um, and, and we're all a mixture of those things, right? Oh, absolutely. We're not and, we're not one or the other, you know. It, no matter what you're looking at or what, uh, and no matter you know, there's a mixture of that influencing us at all times. It, but also knowing that each one depends on the other. It's you know you can't just be oh woe is me and the universe is is against me without believing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. You know the universe isn't against you. That's my big thing. So I'm going to skip the first two paragraphs. The third paragraph begins with, what if you instead perceived all as a piece or a glimpse of the perfection of oneness? I think this is what Lao Tzu is suggesting with his description of the sage who lives openly with apparent duality and paradoxical unity. Imagine the the perfect oneness coexisting in the apparent duality, where opposites are simply judgments made by human minds in the world of 10,000 things. Surely the daffodil doesn't think that the daisy is prettier or uglier than it is, and the eagle and the mouse have no sense of the opposites we call life and death. The trees, flowers, and animals know not of ugliness or beauty, they simply are. In harmony with the eternal Tao, Devoid of judgment. If they only. are, right, Marla? They just are. They just are. What if we, what if, and this is something I've been working on, what if I just accept my day as it is? How much easier, no matter what it is that's going on that day, would it be easier, even if I didn't even take a spiritual approach to anything, and I didn't think there was, I left all that out of the picture. And I just said, you know, I'm just going to accept what happens today and just deal with it in the moment, not put all this other stuff on it. If I just did that little bit of narrowing it down to the moment, it would make my day so much easier. And, you know, I think we can take that a little bit deeper in terms of how we judge ourselves, which we are our own harshest critics. And I speak from experience. 
um, you know, I, it, how hard it is to not judge myself. Um, and, and if I can just learn how to just be who I am and be happy with who I am, um, a lot of the, the disconnectedness probably would never have happened, you know, where I needed to reach for something to soothe myself. So um, that, that's what I'm reading into all of this is how to accept myself also as, a, as I am. It's so much easier to be powerless or to leave room for any help from any type of higher power if we can, uh, if, if today I can just accept things as they are and know I'm not in control of all of this. Well, when you, you know, you take it to an, the personal, it's, we feel like we have control of ourselves. Like I can control how I feel about things or I can control what happens to me or I can, you know, I can control my fate. It's not necessarily true. It's. Let, let's say if we, let's say if there are things we can do to change our course, let's say we really do those things, but that's part of the serenity prayer really is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about those things that we can control and those things we can't hey, have a great day uh, and things we can't so that, you know, if we really narrow it down, even if we think we can control a lot of things, there's so much I would spend my time trying to control that there's no way in hell I could control at all. But all of my energy was spent, the majority of my energy was spent trying to control those things, not mm-hmm. the things I could control. That's good. Thank you, Mara. And you get so invested when you try and control things you get more invested in their outcome. Absolutely. You're already kind of on this pathway of going, well, this is how it's supposed to be because I put all this energy into it that that's what's really exhausting is you're getting um, attached to the outcome of the situation when you put your energy into it. You're getting attached to the fruit that hasn't grown yet, right, Laura? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you yeah. well, you we this. <laughs> yeah. My God, I worked hard on this. I better see some fruit out of it. I guess that's where the work just disappears into it. It just is. It switches, right? It switches from uh, from non-effort to a whole lot of effort. Yeah. Uh, Paul? Yeah, it all comes back to the ego again, doesn't it? Kind of Absolutely. what Marla's talking about, you know. We, we have this illusion that we're in control. That's, that's your ego, Marla. <laughs> Damn that ego. <laughs> if only you can control it. And, you know, the thing is this, the ego only has one tool, and that's fear. <laughs> so if, the, if you start getting fearful, you thought, whoa, wait a minute. How am I letting my ego control this situation? That's a real easy way to start looking because I'm a, if I'm afraid it's not going to work out like I want it to or I'm going to lose this or I'm not going to – I'm already over in fear, and that's all the ego has. That's it. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. That's good. <laughs> The ego. Damn. That damn ego. Damn ego. Um, To go on, I I love this paragraph. As the sage lives openly with apparent duality, he synthesizes the origin with the manifestation without forming an opinion about it. Living without judgment and in perfect oneness is what Lao Tzu invites his readers to do. He invites our wisdom to combine perceived opposites and lived live a unified life. 
The perfection of the Tao is allowing apparent duality while seeing the unity that is reality. Life and death are identical. Virtue and sin are judgments, needing both to identify either. These are the paradoxes of a unified life. This is living within the eternal Tao. Once the dichotomies of or pairs of opposites are transcended, or at least seen for what they are, they flow in and out of life like the tides. Hey, Marla. I think yeah. that, you know, I've always heard this quote, this Tao quote, hope and fear are both dangerous. Or yeah, that hope is just as dangerous as fear. Yeah. And I was like, what does that mean? I, have, I mean, that I just kind of put that on the shoe. said, maybe I'll understand that one day. That may be what this is talking about is that we're always into expectations. If, if we're fearful or hopeful, we're, we're into results. We're into fruit. We're not yeah. into what's going on in the moment. So I thought but that that's was- how most of us live, you know, until we start reading the Tao. It's, you know, wrapped up in our own. Yeah, you know, and we can have a hope that, you know, as the universe is expanding and growing, and evolving and changing, if we get in line with this force of the universe through love, I think, through loving others and loving ourselves in return, then we start expanding and evolving and growing in the same way. Just yeah. just, just as the same as just part of the universe. Not as separate, but as part of it. So that's we good are, stuff. And we are part of the universe. Yes. <laughs> preach marla go preach um, <laughs> um i'm going to skip a paragraph okay i would i believe the lao tzu would apply the Tao Te Ching to today's world by suggesting the following live a unified life enter the world of oneness with an awareness of the propensity to compartmentalize everything as good or bad right or wrong Beautiful or ugly are standards of the physical world, not the Tao. Contemplate the insight that duality is a mind game. In other words, people look the way they look, period. Criticism is not always necessary or helpful. See the unfolding of the Tao inside everyone, including yourself, and be at peace with what you observe. (laughs) Can't stand my fat thighs. Be a good animal and move freely unencumbered with thoughts about where you should be and how you should be acting. For instance, imagine yourself as an otter, just living your otterness. <laughs> You're not good or bad, beautiful or ugly, a hard worker or a slacker. You're simply an otter moving through the water or on the land freely, peacefully, playfully, and without judgments. When it's time to leave your body, you do so reclaiming your place in the pure mystery of oneness. This is what Lao Tzu means when he says, when the work is done, it's forgotten. That's why it lasts for other, uh, That's why it lasts forever. In other words, you don't have to leave your body to experience forever. It's possible to know your eternal self even in the embodied condition. When duality and judgment crop up, allow them to be a part of the perfect unity. When other people create dichotomies, you can always know oneness by practicing the Tao. Wow. Comments? I think he I think he's hitting the nail on the head. Just be. Just be. 
exactly. Just, you got something else you want to read out of there, Marla? Uh, well, I do love the effortless effort. That I is, do. I think uh, let's read that next paragraph, that next uh, for Rob especially, because th- this answers part of your question with this, Rob. This next section does about accomplishing uh, much by trying less. Yeah. This helps put that into perspective. That's the Wu way. And yeah, effortless effort is something that I've known about for a long time. I heard about a long time ago, but just can't accomplish. Um, Effort is one piece of the whole. Another piece is non-effort. Fuse these dichotomies, and the result is effortless action without attachment to outcome, which is what Lala was talking about. This is precisely how you dance with someone. You make an attempt, assume a position, listen to the music, and let go all at the same time allowing yourself to easily move with your partner. Combine the so-called opposites into the oneness of being without judgment or fear. Labeling action as a fine effort implies a belief that trying hard is better than not trying. But trying itself only exists because of beliefs about not trying. Attempting to pick up a piece of trash is really just not picking up the trash. Once you've picked it up, then trying and not trying are irrelevant. Understand that you can act without the implied judgment of words such as effort and trying. You can compete without being focused on an outcome. Eliminating opposites paradoxically unifies them so that it is unnecessary to identify with one position. I imagine that in today's language, Lao Tzu would sum up the second verse of the Tao Te Ching in two simple words, just be. Just be without judgment. Oh, we gotta, I got to read the last chapter, the last verse. Do the Tao now. Do the Tao today by noticing an opportunity to defend or explain yourself and choosing not to. Instead, turn within and sense the texture of misunderstanding, feeling it all the way through your physical system. Just be with what is instead of opting to ease it by traversing the outer world path of explaining and defending. Don't get caught up in the apparent duality of being right or wrong. Congratulate yourself for making a choice to be in paradoxical unity, a oneness where all of the spectrum simply is. Silently appreciate the opportunity along with your willingness to practice your sageness. We're all sages. <laughs> hey, Rob, it may seem like when I first read this, being a guy that's done a lot of different business stuff, I thought, there's no way in hell this will work in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, I just like, yeah, this guy lives off in Maui on the beach, and he does. And he does. The guy that wrote this, you know, I said, he don't know anything about what struggles I have every day to get people to do what they need to do, you know, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden I'm all upset and angry talking about it. But I have found over time that approaching things in a powerless way really helps and really works. Um, And it's, I mean, and it fashions everything because it's about everything. You know, there's no situation that cannot apply. It's just knowing how to surrender that situation, similar to how with alcohol, there's no situation I had to drink in anymore. There's nothing that alcohol would accomplish, and I could be powerless in any situation 
concerning alcohol too. So I can see those similarities for me, and it teaches me how how to start applying this in other areas and other ways, and it brings peace and joy. Thanks. I've got got a lot of work to do. <laughs> Don't we all? Oh, we do. I want to yeah. read. Yeah, I've got one thing real quick here, and this is uh, Jonathan Starr's ideas on Wu Wei from this chapter. Uh, he says that the action is that natural activity which makes possible the manifestation of the universe. When the sun rises and sets, it seems to move, although it is actually motionless. In the same way, realize that freedom from action lies in action. Such a person seems like other people, but he's not affected by human nature. Like the sun, which cannot be drowned in water. He sees the whole universe is not different from himself. Though he possesses attributes, he is beyond attributes. In other words, he may have some abilities, just like, back to alcohol again, I had some abilities not to drink. I had some willpower. I have a lot of willpower about a lot of things. But my willpower was not enough pertaining to alcohol. I had to learn this paradoxical truth of powerlessness and how that powerlessness opened the door for um, all kinds of abilities I didn't have. And then I learned, hey, I can do that in this other stuff too. And that is a big part of this effortless effort, this idea that we can move in an ease of life no matter what's going on and continue in this ease no matter the circumstance or situation. Things may not be the way we want them to be or be ideal in our thinking, but that doesn't mean we have to be angry and resentful or not have peace or joy going through things that are not peaceful or joyful. Guys, that's what I have. Any comments? Just me. I, I like, I want to all close with this one little phrase from Stephen Mitchell's translation. Things arise and she lets them come. Things disappear <laughs> And she lets them go. She has but doesn't possess, acts without expect, uh, acts but doesn't expect. When her, rest, when her work is done, she forgets it. That is why it will last forever. Just being, right? Just being. You guys have a great week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.